Welcome to episode number 115 of the Good Stuff Kids podcast. I am your host, Mike Mason, and this is the show where I talk to the creators of certified and bona fide good stuff for kids and families. And on today's show, I talk to the Zaniac himself, Alex Zerby, and we talk about, well, all kinds of things that he loves to do, which is coincidental because this is also kind of around Valentine's Day that this episode's coming out, and I want to tell you about Kids Listen, which is a grassroots organization that I'm a part of, of people like me who are making podcasts for kids and families. We're trying to make high-quality audio podcasts that families can listen to together. You know, there's no no chance that you're going to run into bad words or you're going to run into to questionable content when you're dealing with me and my Kids Listen buddies. And of particular note this week, I want to tell you about my friend, Kitty Feldy and her podcast, Book Club for Kids, past guest of the Good Stuff Kids podcast. But this one is great for little ears. Book Club for Kids is designed for middle grade readers and kids talking about a book during an interview with the author and a reading from the book by a celebrity. Are you kidding me? That sounds amazing. This week, a Valentine's Day episode of the Book Club for Kids podcast, where kids in Virginia discuss the documentary novel Loving vs. Virginia by Patricia Ruby Powell. Imagine a world where you could be arrested for marrying someone you love. That happened in Virginia, a case that was taken all the way to the Supreme Court. That's Book Club for Kids, and you can get that episode on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. So that's a crazy situation that you could be arrested for marrying someone you love. Doesn't sound good to me. Does that sound good to you? On the theme of love, Alex Zerby loves what he does. He loves comedy. He's a comedian. He loves juggling. He loves hacky sack. All different kinds of things that he loves. And that really fits in with what we're doing. Kids, listen. Hashtag all kinds of love. And you can follow that hashtag to find all kinds of great episodes themed around love and all of the different ways that we as podcast creators interpret what love is. You should also check out Book Power for Kids, where five-year-old Mirabelle reviews Cat and Mouse, a delicious tale by Jiwon Oh. Cat and Mouse are best friends. They do everything together. But when Cat gets a new cookbook, she realizes that Mouse could be the most delicious meal in the world. Will love triumph over hunger? Check out Book Power for Kids to find out. And if you find that you just need to chill this Valentine's Day, then go check out my friends at Cozy Corner, who have a brand new episode coming out called Sanctuary Surprise. Check these podcasts out, Book Club for Kids, Book Power for Kids, and the Cozy Corner Podcast. They're all great, certified, and bona fide. Good stuff for kids and families. One of the things that I love is music, and if you've listened to the Good Stuff Kids podcast in any amount, you know that that's the case. I talk to a lot of musicians, and I love to talk about music. So I thought, because this is episode number 115, and on the fives, we do our four plus one segment where we count down top four songs in my car that my kids want to listen to over and over again, plus one that I try to get my kids to listen to to see if we have a winner. And because we are so close to Valentine's Day and all kinds of love, this week's 4 Plus 1 is all about love. Do we have a winner? You'll have to listen to find out. 
And stay tuned after 4 Plus 1 for a great and funny conversation with Alex Zerby. And coming in at number four this week is I Play Music, which is all about past and future guest Johnny Bragar's love of playing music. I play music in the morning light. I play my songs and I feel all right. I play music in the afternoon. And when I'm done, it's way too soon. I play music when the moon comes out. A hoot and a holler and a howl and a shout. Coming in at number three is Casper Baby Pants' version of a song we all know very well All You Need Is Love by The Beatles. Coming in at number two this week is from past guest Jess Penner, and the song is called Forever in My Heart. And number one is by past guests again, Sunshine and Broccoli, with their song, Love. It's in the title. Love is when you care about another person. Love is when your friends help each other out. Love is when I help my mom and dad, always without a doubt. Love is when you kiss someone, hug someone, hold their hand. That is love. When you love someone, your eyes start to close. You feel good, love is so contagious. Love makes you feel so And now our plus one. This week, there's a little bit of background that you need, right? So we're talking about love and all different kinds of love. And the first time I put this song on in the car for my four-year-old daughter, she immediately wanted to hear it again. And I was a little surprised. But then after she heard it again, she wanted to hear it again and again. And now I can hear her sing it in the back seat whenever I put it on. Now... I don't want to keep you in suspense, but just know that this is a winner and it's particularly timely because my daughter loves it so much and it's the Winter Olympics. It's the song Tanya Harding by Suf John Stevens. This is one of the biggest winners we've ever had in the history of the 4 Plus 1 segment. My four-year-old loves it. Take a listen. you like any of the music that you heard on this week's four plus one you can find all of this music on amazon apple music or spotify wherever you get your music support these artists enjoy a little bit more of tanya harding by suf john stevens
Uh, this should be fun, folks. We've got we've got Alex. The the he's got a lot of names. The Zerby. The Zerby. Like I don't even know. Like he can go through <laughs> the list. But uh, it is uh, truly going to be so fun, and I'm so excited to welcome you to the Good Stuff Kids podcast. How are you, Alex? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Totally. Um, you're in Olympia, Washington, which sounds like potentially the most beautiful place on earth. Am I am I wrong about that? If you like wet, then you will <laughs> like it here. It is always wet. Okay. Like soggy? Like, like okay. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, sometimes. <laughs> so, yeah. There's benefits of living in a rainforest, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. So um, I found you on Twitter. Let's We'll just be transparent. And I reached out to you to see if you want to do this because you are uh, – you you are you do a lot of different and fun things that I think kids and, and families really enjoy. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and we'll dig in. Oh, gosh. Um, well, I started doing shows in uh, like January of two, no, 1999. Mm-hmm. So I'm coming up on 19 years as a professional performer. And uh, I got into it because I was a competitive hacky sack player. Stop. Um, Hold on. Like, yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was really in a hacky sack, like end of high school, like, you know, just out of high school, beginning of college. I was like, that was like my jam, man. That's like what I was all about. It was uh-huh. like hacky sack. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, yeah. I competed at like five world championships. I got eighth in the world. You were the eighth best hacky sacker in the entire world? was the eighth best hacky sack player in the world well it's someone who has i have a little bit of hacky sack experience never could get my act together i'm very impressed that's it so we okay so we may have to backtrack a little into hacky sack land but for the most part like okay keep going keep going so yeah so i was super into hacky sack and i heard about this this job that you could get this guy was like was had developed a show and he was hiring mostly footbag players mostly hacky sack guys to go out and and do his show, he'd hire them. He'd, he'd book these. He'd use an agent and he'd book these tours. The agent would book these school assembly tours. So I'd heard about this thing, and I knew that you had to. Um, I knew you had to know how to juggle to get this job. So I was like, well, you know what? Just in case randomly I ever like have a chance to get this job, I, I'll teach myself how to juggle. Just so when that question comes up, I can be like, yes, I can juggle. <laughs> And so I taught myself, I taught myself, and I kind of like learned a little bit here and there, so I kind of knew the concept. But I remember like one night, I was living in half of a two-car garage, oh, and wow. uh, I'd been like drywalled in, and one night I stayed up real late, and I was just like, I'm going to stay up all night until I can get 100, 100 throws, you know? Um, so I practiced and learned with hacky sacks, and then like serendipitously, I was able to get that job. Like it was like a friend of a friend had the job, and then... I started. I was just starting to like date this girl who now I'm married to. Uh-huh. Uh, she helped me like get my first email address so I could email the guy who ran the company, and like I connected to them, and I ended up touring all over the East Coast uh, for five months, living in a van down by the river, <laughs> and um, and that's how I got started doing shows. I was out there doing school assembly shows, three shows a day, five days a week. Uh, you know, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Delaware. Uh, New Jersey, Ohio, Michigan, West Virginia, Virginia, you know, wow. like all the states. Yeah. So I was on the road when I was like 21. Wow. The East Coast in the winter <laughs> doing shows. Doing, doing, doing like hacky sack slash juggling. Like, so like what was the show? Like what did you do? Um, the show was like called Creative Athletics and it was, it was like you kind of like demonstrated games from around the world. So mm-hmm. it was like, um, you know, like like the Chinese yo-yos from China juggling was, you know, in, from Egypt, you know, ancient Egypt. Um, 
There's a game called Pateco, which I guess is from Brazil. Um, I don't think I was doing Poi, but Poi is like New Zealand thing, you uh-huh. know, sacks from the States. There's a game from Canada and stuff. So that was kind of like the general. Oh, that's theme. cool. Yeah. So, so okay. yeah, that's how I got into it, man. Interesting. Okay. So that, um, that takes you to, uh, I guess where you are now and you, you wear a lot of, you know, sorry, this is a little punny, I guess, but like you wear a lot of different hats, um, and uh, you you are so. How would you describe your act before we like sort of get into it? Um, I, I mean, at, at the core of it, it's a comedy juggling act. Uh-huh. Um, I do some more stuff that's not comedy juggling in it. Like so, so it's but that's like the base is kind of like it's a comedy juggling act. But I also do I do like some silly rap songs, and um, I do like some sight gags and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like a comedy juggling comedy variety act. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. So, so how does how does someone start like with the idea? Like, do you remember where you were? So it sounds like you were going up and down the, the East Coast and you were doing all these things. And so, how how did the idea for your own show like? Do you remember that like light bulb moment? Yeah, I um, well, so so I so I started this tour and I was really fortunate. I was able to get the guy. So the guy who I was originally supposed to go as part of a team it was going to be me and another guy, but the other guy didn't come. And so the, the guy who ran this company called Creative Athletics, his name was Scott Clear. He was like really, I think he was a little uneasy about sending me out on my own. So for the first two weeks, I toured with this guy named Peter Irish. And Peter Irish was a, a guy that I had seen a little bit on the internet. You know, I, this is like the internet was really young, but I'd also, I'd had this like bootleg hacky sack VHS tape and like, and he was on that. So I would like watch that. And this is just like, you know, tripod footage and, and he was a he was a five time world champion. So this is like a guy I idolized. I'd never met him or anything. Uh-huh. And so I so he toured with me for the first two weeks of this tour. And he had been a professional juggler. And I remember just like you know I had had all these odd jobs like you know like oh I served pizza and I like I did all these different things. And I was kind of like man I need to find a job that I like enjoy. You know I didn't <laughs> like make a ton of money, but I was like I need a job I don't hate. Yeah. And he, when I was talking to him, when I, when we first met, he was telling me that he had been a professional juggler in San Francisco, like a professional street performer. And I was like, that's like a job, like you can be a professional juggler. And he was like, yeah, I know, like, I know a bunch of professional jugglers. And I remember thinking like to myself right at that moment, like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a professional juggler. And so as I was touring, you know, all over the place, I would still practice hacky sack or footbag really diligently. But then I would also practice a bunch of juggling stuff and like, just try to get my skills. I didn't really know how to do it, but I knew I like needed a bunch of tricks. So uh-huh. started like, you know, that whole five months I practiced juggling tricks and Chinese yo-yo stuff and like just worked on improving my skills and, and yeah, so that's kind of how, so, what was the question? <laughs> no, you answered it. It's like, how did you, you get the idea to, to go at it on your, uh, yeah. on your own? So what's interesting and I'm realizing this now is like, so I, I don't just have this, this kid's podcast right like I, I but i also have a sports podcast designed oh, cool. for a kid so i think that you like i love it when there's like a nice crossover when a plan comes yeah. together inadvertently so i think that there's a we can come at this from from several different angles so so before we get to the comedy let's let's just if you don't mind indulging my curiosity in the hacky sack for a little while sure. yeah man. right so like what is uh like what do you love about it if you still love it or if you're like, oh, my God, I can't handle that anymore. I can't really play anymore. Uh, I, I I sustained like a, a knee injury this summer. Oh, so no. I have, I have, I'm like four months out of ACL surgery. So I haven't 
Um, you know, and, and even before that, you know, it was just really hard on my knees and just started becoming really hard on my body to play. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I mean, so I haven't played seriously for a while, but I do still love it. I really do. Yeah. And, um, I don't know what it is about it. Like, I don't know what it is that my brain kind of keyed in on to, to just, I, man, I don't know, but I totally, man, I was obsessed with hacky. Yeah, sure. It was, it was like. For a long time, it was you know, a huge part of my life. It's it's how I got into the juggling stuff and how I got into doing shows. Uh-huh. I met my wife. Um, you know, I've Guinness eighth um, in the world. Yeah, I was eighth in the world. I got a Guinness World Record for a hacky sack trick. Really? Um, yeah. Is that still a standing record? It is. I still, I, as far as I know, no Man. one has broken record. We are so. just like we are just peeling back the onion right now. So, what was the what was the record? What what is the record? Uh, the record was for a specific hacky sack trick called an eclipse. Okay. So Twenty six of them in a row, and um, yeah. So, so I mean, I was you know I still have a ton of like good friends that I know through the hacky sack community, and like um, I mean, hacky sack changed my life, you know. And I think it was just the, you know, I think I'm a big believer in in people's. If you're passionate about something, I really think you should pursue it. I think this kind of idea that like, oh, well, I can't make, I'm really into this, but I can't make a living doing that, so I'm going to be an accountant or whatever. I just think, I think there's so, I just think that's super wrongheaded, and I think if you're really into something, you should pursue it, and you should, you know, it's like, obviously, I, I don't make a living playing hacky sack, but that's what led me to my career, right, you know, right. I, I had decided like, oh, I'm just going to like, do this because it's going to get me paid or, or it's, a, 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 you know, it's the safe thing to do. I think that is just total BS and yeah. I, I, that you, you should follow what you're into. That's right. what the world is. People who are passionate about stuff. Right. So, and BS stands for baloney sausage, by the way, just for, yeah, yeah, just for the right. record. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> so, but, but you're, um, I think what you're doing here, which you may or may not realize that you're doing is you're breaking down this like, uh, stereotype that, um, I don't have, or I've never thought of, but a lot of people do that. Like, you know, oh, you you play hacky sack, huh? Like, how is that? Uh, how is that fish show, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to that, like, I was definitely like, I've been to like, I think I've been to six fish shows, uh-huh. but it was more like, you know, it was just more like the people I was hanging out with more than anything else. It was right. like, oh, all right, cool, let's go check it out or whatever. I was never like a full on a dude who had a bunch of bootleg tapes or anything <laughs> like that. You were, those were my friends, right? But that was never oh, me. Oh man, that must have been okay. So this is this is super silly. But that must have been like you could do some serious like hacky sack sharking if you were at like the the, <laughs> the parking lot of a fish show. Like oh oh, can I join? And then you do twenty six eclipses. That must right have right. Been... I busted out. It was funny. So I went to a fish show at the Gorge in ninety uh, seven, uh-huh. and like it was a you know it was just such a small world. Like I, I ended up. Like being in a circle with this guy, his name was Parker, and like you know whatever. I met him a little bit, and I must have I must have been okay, but he was definitely better than me. And then later, I ended up in Seattle. I met a guy who had been friends with him on like the East Coast, and like just a small world connection, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Hacky set it brings the world together. Why not, right? Absolutely, absolutely. There's a community aspect to it, right? You got to keep the ball up, and you got to work together with your fellow person. Cool. All right. Right. So, um. So did the? Do you think that you had a? Uh, God, here's another punny one, like a leg up because of the your hacky sack experience in terms of being able to to catch on to juggling more quickly. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, I think I think like you know, I was a, by the time I got into the juggling stuff, I was not a great footbag player, but I was, you know, I could do some tricks. I hadn't quite taken the next step, 
But yeah, to apply it to the juggling thing, I think like the process of learning how to learn was really valuable. The thing like, okay, this is the trick I'm trying to learn. And like, let me break it down to these components and let me just like practice it over and over again and try to make observations on whatever mistakes I'm making. I think those are lessons that apply across the board. So I had already learned a lot of those types of things, like how to like to school a trick, you know? Uh-huh. And so I, I definitely brought that to the juggling. And, and I mean, juggling is, it's, I hate to say it's easier than footbag, but in some ways it is. It's less athletic than footbag. Uh-huh. Footbag is certainly more athletic. You're dealing with your feet. You're dealing with, with footwork. It's, it's a much more, you know, you're sweating. Like you can juggle and practice juggling without getting super sweaty. But mm-hmm. footbag, it's like it, it's much more athletic. So, so I think that the juggling stuff, I'm not a particularly athletic guy, but I think the juggling stuff came, came a little quicker than it might have if I hadn't kind of put in the groundwork with a footbag. Right. And you had that sort of hand-eye training or foot eye training that you could then apply right yeah exactly exactly and just the ability just the the training of how to be like okay like i'm gonna practice these tricks and so so let me you know like this is how you do it like i kind of already knew that of like all right i'm gonna have to try this trick you know 50 times and i'll take a little break then I'll, i'll i'll reassess so you have that patience and i think a lot of people that try to juggle they just they're not prepared for the level of failure Mm-hmm. that experience right <laughs> trying to learn this task it's like you're just going to drop so much you're going to fail so much and most people can't handle that you right, know right i think when you play something like music like you can slow it down and like really be a little bit more methodical you can't do that gravity is just it is what it is right, so right um, it's so, like, yeah. yeah it's interesting it's like i heard someone was saying um it's like baseball, right? Like it's a game of failure in a way, right? You yeah. you're you're going to strike out. It's just going to happen. Yep, exactly. And so so just to accept the fact that it's like, hey, if I just keep doing this, I, I will get it eventually, right, you know? Right. Yeah, and and it it's muscle memory and but I think it's an important lesson that like it takes a ton of practice. It does. Yeah, a yeah, ton you got to practice. You need to put the work in every day and and be willing to. And I think this applies to anything you're trying to learn. Even if you love to play guitar, there's going to be days where you're like, I don't want to play the guitar. Right. And, and you know, when you're learning, you got to just be like, all right, I'm, you I'm know, gonna I'm going to yeah. go through my practice regimen and like, I'm just going to, I'm going to get it going. Let's do it. And, and so many times, like when you're not in the mood to do something, if you force yourself to do it anyway, 10 minutes in, you're like, all right, now I'm enjoying this. Yeah. And like, now I'm yeah. in my zone or whatever. Absolutely. So, okay. Yeah. So. So let's let's shift a little bit to the uh, the development of the comedy routine. So okay. are you did you did you like take classes? Because like, I know some people um, they go to like improv classes and things like that. And you know I listen to a ton of like comedy podcasts. So like the hours yep. of like being on stage that need to happen, like to be seen yep. in the eyes of comedians as a comic. But um, so like what was your path to to that particular piece of of who you are and what you do? That took a long time, and comedy is is much more difficult than juggling or, or hacky sack. Just just as far as it's less straightforward, I, I, for at least for me. Um, I mean, it took me a long time to get a little bit funny. You know, I don't consider myself some brilliant comedian. I'm not a great joke writer, um, but I knew I'd wanted to. I knew I wanted to like do street performing. That seemed like a, a really accessible way to do shows. Um, but I had, I just had a lot of fear associated with getting out on the street and putting myself out there. I mean, I had a lot of fear and, and, um, you know, fortunately I was kind of able to, to overcome some of that. And I had encouragement from people in my life that were like, you need to get out there and do this thing, you know? 
Um, and so, and, and, and the whole time I was kind of looking for a partner too. I wanted to do it with another person, I think, because I was so afraid. And I think when you have, when you're doing it with somebody else, it's a lot less scary. You know, right. it's like, ah, oh, we failed, but we failed together, you know, and you can talk about it and you're, you know, all right, we got to go do this. And you have another person right there with you. Um, so I was doing some kind of solo stuff on the street a little bit, but I didn't really have an act, you know, I was just kind of like juggling and I just kind of like talk smack to people when they'd walk by and just be like, hey, man, check out this trick. And like, I got to a point where I was good enough to get like a, to get a crowd, but then I wouldn't know what to do with it. So it'd be uh -huh. like, I crowd, but now I have a crowd, but I just moved through all my tricks. And all, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it was like at, at the point where I've gone through every trick that I can kind of do, that's a cool trick. Okay. Now I have a crowd and I don't know what to do. So they'd kind of walk away at that point. And, um, and after a few years of, of, of doing that, I did a tour on that, that school tour on the East Coast. I did another tour after that with my, with my girlfriend, who's now my wife, mm -hmm. um, who's also in the Hacky Sack Hall of Fame. And, um, oh, nice. and, and so then I was doing some solo shows, but then I teamed up with another guy. I teamed up. I was with a partnership for a long time, this guy called Matt Baker, named Matt Baker. Uh -huh. And it was called The Brothers from Different Mothers. And so we were um, – we were with, uh, you know, we had a partnership for about 10 years. We performed together from uh, about 2001, and our last show together was in 2011. So we had like a long career. Yeah, yeah. Together. And, and so, you know, we kind of learned comedy together a little bit, but we really had different approaches. You know, his approach was much more methodical, much more like, okay, I'm going to sit down at a coffee shop and like, you know, write jokes, write one-liners and stuff like that. And, um, and so I, you know, I did some of that stuff, that kind of methodical, like, you know, writing down information and writing a bunch of setups and trying to, you know, then writing punchlines and stuff. But that's, that's not really my thing, you know? So I've done some of that work. Um, and I had taken an improvisation class in college. Um, but so his approach was very like, you know, this kind of like rigid approach, which didn't really work for me. You know, I was able to come up with some jokes and stuff like that, but it took me a really long time to kind of, I think I had like just my parents are intellectuals. Mm -hmm. So I had this like really or like really like linear way of thinking, you know, like, okay, like, like remember this information. And it's like, we're always looking for the right answer. And like, and it took me a really long time to kind of break out of that that mindset of like, hey, you're not always you're not looking for the right answer. You're looking for the wrong answer. You know, comedy is very it's it, at least the way I look at it. It's like, yeah, you're always looking for the twisted thing, the the incorrect thing or like, you know, what's funny about that. And it took me a really long time to figure that out. And, and I do have to give credit to um, a guy who mentored me for a long time. Um, named Dan Holtzman, a good friend of mine. He was a uh, part of a comedy juggling act called the Raspini brothers. Okay. And, and he's like, I mean, he's a brilliant comic mind. And, um, you know, I think he has more appearances on the tonight show than any other juggler. He's got like five tonight show appearances or something. Oh, no way. Nice. Yeah. And they were like really successful. They had a really successful corporate act. And, um, I mean, he was just so, he's so funny. He's just got a comic mind. That's like, you know, I mean, I can't, you know, I, I could never get to that point, I don't think. But, um, yeah, it took a lot of time yeah. for me to be kind of funny, you know? Yeah, yeah I don't totally. Brilliant or, like, anything yeah. like that. But, but you took the step. Did you do any, like, open mics, like, get up on stage and try your stuff out? or Not really. 
not as like a stand-up comedian. Uh-huh. No, no. But like, so so when me and my old business partner were together, there 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 came a point where like the writing was kind of on the wall, and we were going to go our separate ways, and you yeah. could kind of you could kind of see it coming. And so so yeah, so I started like okay, I got to get out and do my solo show. So yeah, I did I did like some kind of open mic type things, and just was I was looking for opportunities to like work out my material and so yeah I did a few open mics which was again totally terrifying yes <laughs> I remember sitting outside this guy this guy, this, this guy Wes he lived in a barn he lived in like this barn and he was hosting open mic shows maybe like once a month or something like that yeah and, and it's like you know it's just a bunch of like young people sitting on the floor in this barn and it's like they had an aerial rig and so you'd have some some aerialists and just you know maybe a musician or a clown and stuff so I was like I just remember like sitting outside the barn waiting to go on and just being like super nervous and like uh-huh. super scared and then just being like all right going out there and like doing my set and like I was always like good you know like I mean compared to you know I had 10 years of performing experience under my belt at this point you know, I'd been doing it for a long time, so right. it was like, I, and it was a super easy audience, really forgiving and, yeah. and super nice and cool. So there's really no reason for me to be afraid. But like, still, I think you know the fear of failure is really strong. Yeah, um, it's a real thing. But yeah, so I started working out my bits, my solo bits, you know, at that open mic thing, and mm-hmm. I was, I was like, all right, let me try these two bits, and then the next month I'd try two more bits, and then. Um, a little while after that, I rented a, a small theater space for a day and to shoot a promo video. And so, like, we spent the whole day filming. Like, it was just doing tricks, no audience or anything, filming this promo video with this, like, this guy who was, like, a teenager at the time. He was filming the bubble <laughs> up. And then, and then that night, I was, like, I did, like, my first, like, solo, full-length solo show. It was about 40 minutes. Uh-huh. And I opened it up, and, like, I, I think my brother was in town, so him and his kids came and, like... You know, I just it was just my friends or whatever. So, but it was good. We I did that show, and it was like, okay, cool. I have like a show now that's like a reasonable length, and and that's how I made my first like promo video for my solo show. Yeah. So, wow. Years. So, so you are you're sort of in the world of like kids, family stuff. I would say like you try to keep things clean from the comedy side, and I bet that. Um, kids go bonkers for some of the juggling tricks that you do during your act. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have a real, for whatever reason, I love kids, you know, I really do. I love performing for kids. It's my favorite kids and their parents. That's like my favorite type of audience. And, um, and when I was with the, when I was with the partnership, it was like, we always kind of like what I would consider like a middling act. So we did a bunch of different types of markets, Uh but we were never great in any one type of market. So it's like, yeah, we do some fairs and we were pretty good at those. Maybe we, we, we did library shows for a little while and like, yeah, we were pretty good at those. And we did a few colleges and we were all right at the colleges Uh and like, we did some like kind of corporate events and like we were, you know, hit or miss there. Sometimes we do really well, sometimes not so much. And, and he really wanted to like, you know, he was a much more edgy comedian and he really wanted, oh, he really wanted to do like colleges and corporate events and cruise ships and those sort of things. And I always liked the, the, the family shows. Like I liked the libraries, which stopped doing, and I liked the school assembly shows. So I knew when we broke up, like, yeah, I'm going back and doing those library shows. And, um, and so I think committing, like when, when we split up, I think committing to like, Hey, I'm a family act, um, was just a really smart decision. I think, I think like as a performer, if you're deciding to become a performer, yeah, it's good to go out and try a bunch of different markets just to see what you like. Yeah. But I think, I think committing to a specific thing, if you're like, 
no, I perform for this group of people. These are my people. I think that's a, a good way to go. Yeah, um, totally. And and I bet that like the the reward that you get from like doing a, a show for for kids and families, I bet like I, you know having only seen like a couple clips or like checked out your website and things like that, I bet kids go bonkers for you. Right. No, no, absolutely. Kids love it. Yeah. You know, like, and I think like adding the music. So we, I wasn't doing any music stuff when I was with, with, with the old act, but adding the music stuff is, I think has really helped. Like yeah. if kids did and like, um, no, I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's like, yeah, I'm like a rock star. Comedian. Yeah. Oh it, my gosh. It, yeah. So like, do you, do you remember any of the like, like what is like the the best thing a kid has come up and said to you like after a show or something like that? Oh, so I had this, this was something and this was, they didn't even say it to me. It was yeah. like after the school assembly show and there was like these, the, the line of kindergartners walking out of the, <laughs> yeah. I remember like, you know, the, the, the little girl, she didn't even see me there. She didn't know I was, you know, that I was listening or anything. And yeah. She like turned to one of her friends and she's like, that's the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you nailed it. Yeah. Even, you know, hopefully it improves from there. Yeah, but, right. <laughs> oh, it was like, yeah, you know, yeah, like, was, that's the best thing ever. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And I went out and doing my show in like really rural areas, you know, like I, like sometimes I'll, I'll get booked to go out in the middle of nowhere in Montana or something. And you're like, you go into these super small towns and you're, you're performing for, you know, a, a, a K through eight school that's, or a K through 12 school that's like a hundred kids or, or something, 150 kids maybe, or maybe less. And so I think that I love going out there and doing my act because just like, you know, I grew up in the city, I'm, uh, I'm a city kid and like, you know, I've been exposed to like all sorts of different people and walks of life and, and different culture and stuff like that. And then you go out and I do my act for these people who live in a really rural area. Just, I love being able to like expose those kids to like, like, oh, I get it. Like there's other things you can do with your life that yeah. are not. Like working in the oil field or working at the mill or, or working at the gas station down the road. It's like I feel like when I go out and do those things that I'm exposing those kids to like a bigger world that's like, oh my gosh, like this guy is crazy. <laughs> Just this thing. It's like no one in town is like this guy. You yeah. Know what I mean? like, yeah. Well, yeah, totally. I could see that big time. That's cool that you get to go out and do all that stuff and like with that, that message. Um, so – how can we find you? How can we follow? I don't know if you hear my daughter in the background okay, going bonkers, yeah. but like, how can how can we find you? How can we follow you? How can we catch you? How can we do all those things? Um, yeah, so you can go to my website, which is uh, thezaniac.com or alexzerby.com, and uh, sign up for my newsletter, which I send out um, a couple times a year, hopefully. Um, or you can always follow me on social media. I post on Twitter, Instagram, and, and Facebook a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think I'm like at Alex Zerbe on Twitter, Z-E-R-B-E, uh, Professional Zaniac on on Instagram, and I think that's also my Facebook too, my Facebook page. Professional Zaniac. Professional Zaniac, yeah. Nice. All right. Wow. So yeah, come out to the shows, you know. Yeah. Do you, do you travel? Are you sort of going able to go nationwide? Are you like willing to willing to travel? Yeah, I do. Like, let's see. Let's see. In the past, like, year or so, I've been out to Ohio. I've been to Wyoming. I've been up to Alaska. I'm going back to Alaska. Wow. That's great. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't think I've been all the way out on the East Coast. But yeah, I'll go wherever, you know? Nice. Nice. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of like regional. Most of my stuff is kind of regional in the Pacific Northwest. So, like, you know, all down the Oxford Corridor and, yeah. uh, you know, Seattle, Portland stuff. And then, um, and then, yeah, and then I'll zip over and I'll 
national type stuff. Awesome. Well, I think I think everyone should everyone should check you out. I think that like I'm blown away by all of the the like the way that you took all of these things. Right, you started with uh, hacky sack, and then the juggling, and then the comedy, and then you sort of and music too, which we didn't even really get a chance to talk about. Um, and I I'm not sure that my four year old's gonna let me get to that point. <laughs> but but so oh she said no. <laughs> Oh, she loves music. She's telling you. So, okay, well, that's good. Oh, oh yeah. That I did not. Oh, oh. all right. We may have to continue this at another point to talk about beatboxing. Podcast. Yeah. Awesome. So, Alex, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time. Me on anytime you want to have me back. uh, All right, that was awesome. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Totally. You're you're top notch. Good dude thrilled to have met you um i'm that was really fun so be sure to check out the zaniac himself alex zerby check out book power for kids podcast book club for kids podcast the cozy corner podcast there's a lot of good stuff in the world and it is something that i love to find and talk to the people who make certified and bona fide good stuff for kids and families For all the old episodes, go to goodstuffpod.com. Find me on social media at goodstuffpod.com. Drop me a line, mike at goodstuffpod.com. If you are so inclined to leave a nice review on iTunes, that would be very, very kind of you. Hope everyone has a great week and a very happy Valentine's Day. Talk to you very soon. Stuff.